0: So let's take out our Bibles this morning, um, which is always a good thing to do. I'm going to pray, and we'll launch into the Word today. So Father, we just ask for your help today. We ask that you give us listening ears, that the soil of our hearts would be good soil, Lord, to hear your Word today, Lord. We thank you that your Word is alive, that it uh, nourishes us spiritually, emotionally, in every way, Lord God. And so God, give us ears to hear, I pray. And uh, let your truth penetrate our hearts today, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be turning to a couple of places, two two verses or two passages to start with. 1 Thessalonians 5 and Philippians 2 is kind of where we'll be, just to uh, give you a little bit of a heads up with where we're going. But I'm sure that many of us can identify with issues, having issues with technology, even this morning, I think we had some out in the cafe just with the connecting to the Wi-Fi. You know, whether it's connection issues, whether it's things just uh, stop working, whether the app doesn't, it just freezes up, you know, whether it's just things don't scroll, whether you see the, the blue screen of death, which I think is what it used to be called in PC land, or the rainbow wheel of uh, fear and trepidation. But... When you have these technology issues, you know, you've tried the customary on and off, see if that works. And then with a great deal of fear and trepidation, you perhaps venture to pressing that button that says restore default settings. I don't know about you, but for me, it always just feels a little bit, there's nerves, there's just something unsettling about it because I'm like, well, if this, one, if this doesn't work, I don't know what will, but two, what happens if I lose all the... The settings that I've already put on this device or this computer or TV or whatever it is. The idea of restoring to default settings, though, is that it restores it, obviously, to the way it was made and designed to be, but a setting, it's a setting automatically given to a program or device, or it's the normal behaviour or normal way it's meant to operate when you restore to default settings. Now, I I, I would venture to say this morning that all of us, as people, have a default setting in certain areas of our lives. We're going to explore that a little bit this morning. Because we're continuing our series today that we started last week, a series called Wholehearted, becoming a wholehearted people of devotion, challenging and stirring our hearts in some key areas, speaking into some areas that can take us away from being wholehearted in our pursuit of the Lord. So it's a little bit of a different theme than than where we've been, going through a book, the Bible, for example, but an important one, we believe. Last week, Andrew brought a great word, speaking right into one of the biggest issues for us today as followers of Jesus, busyness, restlessness, and distraction. That we would be a people who move from distraction to devotion. And so this morning, uh, the title of my message is Wholehearted from Grumbling to Gratitude. From Grumbling to Gratitude. And yes, I want to talk this morning about this fairly common, mostly accepted sin of grumbling. Grumbling. And how there is a call for us to move from having this is our default setting and to moving to a place of being a people of gratitude, where that becomes our default setting. So we're going to start with two, I believe, two of the more challenging scriptures in the New Testament. Certainly challenging if we want to be hearers and doers of the word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 to 18. This is what it says. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This sounds so beautiful. Sounds so simple, it's just laid out so clearly for us, yet I would suggest that it's a little bit harder to put into practice in our lives. It's the blueprint, if you like, if it's the vision of how God calls us to live or His will for us to be a people of thanksgiving and gratitude. But the challenge for us often lies in hearing and doing what we read In Philippians 2, where we're going to head right now, and moving to this place of gratitude and giving thanks in all circumstances. This is what it says in Philippians 2 verse 14. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain." I would suggest this morning that the challenge of being a people of gratitude, a people who give thanks in all circumstances, lies in hearing and doing this word, moving from a place of grumbling to a place of gratitude. Now. Before we go too much further, it's easy to hear a message like this or have a message like this and think, Oh, I really wish so and so was here this morning. They you know they need to hear this. You can always send them the live stream link, I don't know. Or you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, I really hope my spouse or my child or this person's listening carefully this morning. I see a few elbow nudges. We're often good at seeing the speck in others' eye, aren't we? And we are good at not paying so much attention to the log in our own eye. So I'm sure that there are many of us who can think of people who need to hear a message like this, perhaps. But as we approach God's word this morning, it works, it works like a mirror, doesn't it? It shows, us, shows things as they are, and it shows us as we are. When we look at it, we're like, "Oh, do all things without grumbling. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. So we would do well to approach his word with humility, with an open heart, and of course, echo the cry of David that says, Search me and know me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way, any grumbling way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the disclaimer to start with. Billy Graham had this to say about grumbling and gratitude. He said, grumbling and gratitude are for the child of God in conflict. Be grateful and you won't grumble. Grumble and you won't be grateful. And it, so i of reflected on that quote this week. The picture that I've had in my mind is, you know when you get two magnets and you try and push them together and it just doesn't work. Even this week, one of my children came to me and we've got these two kind of childproof magnets magnets that stick on our fridge for various cupboards we have around. And he's playing with them and he's like, Dad, why don't magnets go together? It's like I'm trying as hard as I can to push them. Science was never my strongest suit at school, but I did my best to explain, well, the polarities, you know, in conflict and they, it's just impossible for them to come together. And he's like, okay. And I feel that the same with grumbling and gratitude, They're in conflict with one another, it's like, where one is, the other one can't be, and vice versa. Have you noticed that there are so many things that we can grumble about? I do. (laughs) The queue at Woolies. How cold it's been to start winter. That slow driver on your way to work. The L-plater we heard about last week, that times they run perfectly out of a certain suburb. The internet taking a couple of extra seconds to load on our phones and how frustrating that is. The coffee that's too hot or too cold or too bitter or too sweet. They didn't do my favorite song this morning. This guy's preaching again. Whatever it is, there's so much that we can grumble about. A bit more of a laugh than I was thinking. But there is so much that we can be grateful for as well, isn't there? So much that we can be grateful for. There's breath in our lungs. We're here this morning. That means we're alive. We have purpose. God is at work in our lives. We have a a beating heart. We can actually gather for church. Isn't that wonderful? We have capacity for live stream that those who aren't able to be here. We can have coffee at church. What a blessing that is for those who drink coffee. We have one another. There's a great song that we sing here from time to time by Matt Redmond called 10,000 Reasons. For all your goodness, Lord, I will keep on singing, 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. There's 10,000 reasons, or endless reasons, sometimes our hearts just have to find them. So let me ask this to each of us this morning, myself included, is your heart full of grumbling or is it full of gratitude? Or to frame it another way, what is our default setting? Because if we look around us, and perhaps the last two years of a global pandemic and all the other stuff associated with that has exacerbated it all. But grumbling and complaining has certainly become so commonplace in our culture. We can look on social media, we can look in the political landscape, we can look in the entertainment sector, we can look in listening in conversations that we may have, it's like it's just become an accepted part of our culture, even, dare I say, in the church, in the lives of the people of God. Please hear me this morning, I'm not not talking about that we have to be fake, that we have to be happy-clappy and put on a show and never be real. No, that's not my heart this morning. I'm not saying that there's no place for, for feedback and constructive criticism and all those kind of things. What I'm saying is it's quite a different thing with the hard attitude that we, behind what we uh, bring feedback with, with how we have a disagreement with someone, the hard attitude behind that, rather than the hard attitude of grumbling and complaining. But why is it an issue, though? Why does Paul, under the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, instruct his readers to do all things without grumbling and, and complaining or disputing? And I kind of think, he's gone pretty hard here, hasn't he? He hasn't just said, do most things or you know, try your best most of the time, you know, once you've had a couple of coffees in the morning to do things without grumbling. He says, no, do all things without grumbling and disputing or grumbling and complaining. If we look in Scripture, we, are, we see that grumbling is actually a very serious issue in the eyes of God, probably more than we would perhaps realize or understand. And a hint perhaps is in the Greek word used for grumbling, this word here, uh, the word used here in Philippians 2 and other parts of the New Testament, Gongusmos, or the verb gongudso. And what this word encapsulates or describes is a sense of discontented muttering. It's, it's to show smoldering discontent, murmuring, or to discontentedly complain. Mm. You see, grumbling reveals something. And I would suggest that it's not so much of a, a circumstance issue, as in what's going on around us, but a heart issue. It's not so much to do with the things going on out there, that it's cold and it's freezing or it's whatever, but it reveals something that's going on inside here I think that's why the Bible makes it so clear that we're to guard our hearts with all diligence and you know our mouths often are the instruments for our grumbling it it gives voice doesn't it to what's going on in here so as we think about the words of Jesus for example in Matthew chapter 12 verse 34 to 36 We should take care to heed these words. It says that out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That the good person out of the good treasure stored in his heart brings forth good. The evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. And I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give account of every careless word that they speak. It's rather sobering as we hear those words of Jesus this morning. So if what is regularly coming out here is grumbling and complaining, we must ask, what is going on inside here in our hearts? And as the Greek word, as I mentioned, encapsulates murmuring, muttering, discontent and complaint, Barclay's New Testament commentary also brings out this other aspect, that there's this link between this aspect of do all things without grumbling and what was used to describe the people of Israel for their rebellious and faithless murmurings in their desert journey. And for the sake of time, we won't go back through the whole history. We can read in Exodus 15, Exodus 16, other parts of that uh, history of God's people. But just to give a little bit of context and overview, that they'd been in the land of slavery for, for hundreds of years, and God brings them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, miraculously, you know, sovereignly, and He leads them into the wilderness. You know, He guides them by a a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They come to a sea, what are we going to do? Can't go over it, can't go under it, we're going to go through it. God makes a way, He, He causes the sea to part and they pass through on dry land, all these miraculous things that they had seen. And yet three days later, they're out there in the wilderness and there's no water. The Bible says that they begin to grumble. They begin to grumble. There's this this murmuring and muttering and complaint that comes. Of course, water's important. Don't get me wrong. There's this grumbling that happens. Just three days later, they begin to say, oh, everything was better back in Egypt. Why have you brought us out here that we die in the desert? And then shortly after that, just a matter of weeks perhaps, just a matter of weeks after seeing all the miraculous things that God had done for his people. They don't have food and they're grumbling and complaining, saying things were better back in slavery. Why have you brought us out here? They're grumbling and complaining. And the Lord makes it very clear that He'd heard their grumbling. And it wasn't just grumbling against the circumstances or against Moses and Aaron, but it was in fact grumbling against the Lord Himself. What did all this grumbling reveal? even after all they'd seen and experienced. It revealed a lack of faith. It revealed a rebellious heart. Does God truly know best? Does He know what He's doing? Revealed a sense of smoldering discontent. It led to wrong perspective. And it revealed a certain forgetfulness about God, about who He is and about what He's able to do. So grumbling reveals something, and I'll suggest it's not always pretty. But grumbling also leads to something. It produces something, we could say, in our lives. It becomes a habit, of course. It can lead to a misplaced perspective on the, the, the nature of God and His ability to work, provide, and care for us. But let's just turn our, our focus again to Philippians 2. Because I want to suggest that a, a default hard attitude of grumbling and discontent produces or leads to an ineffective witness in our lives. What you might be saying, what is my grumbling, what does our grumbling have to do with our effective the effectiveness of our witness, our testimony of Jesus in our lives? Paul's command here in Philippians 2 is not in isolation. He gives the why, and the why, I believe, is important. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may, so that, in other words, that you may be blameless and innocent, that we may be his children who properly and accurately represent him with a sense of purity and integrity in our lives, and that we may be shining brightly in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of a crooked, and twisted generation. <clears throat> I hope we can grab hold of this this morning. Because the people walking in a, with a sense of being blameless and innocent. A people who, as his children, properly and accurately reflect who the Lord is. A people who shine brightly in the midst of the darkness. That, to me, looks like a wholehearted kind of people. Perhaps we could put it in reverse or in opposite to see more clearly what Paul is getting at. If you do everything with grumbling and complaining, or if grumbling is our default setting, there's a sense of missing the point. Because we won't be blameless or innocent that even as we claim to be children of God, we we just fit right in in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Instead of shining brightly, our light grows dim. There's no difference, there's no difference in our lives. But you know, nowhere in scripture are we called to just fit in. We're called to just kind of go with the flow, to just sort of become so accustomed to the prevailing culture around us. And when that prevailing culture can be one of grumbling or discontent, complaining or negativity, we're called to live, I believe, in stark contrast to that. Our lives should look different. Our words should sound different. We're called to shine, to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is in the midst of the darkness. In the midst of the twisted and crooked nature of the culture all around us, Jesus paid far too high a price when he gave his life upon the cross for us to be stuck in a default setting of grumbling about everything and everyone. If we're called to shine brightly... How can we truly do this if our default setting is one of grumbling? How can I truly do that if my default setting is one of grumbling? How will people see and taste and experience and hear about the goodness of God as evidenced by our lives if there's kind of a bit of a disconnect between what we claim to live for and who we claim to live for and what comes out of our mouths? How will they see the hope that we have because of Jesus if our default setting reveals something different? So how do we move from a place of grumbling as our default setting to a place of gratitude as our default setting? Because just as grumbling reveals something and leads to something in our lives, so also gratitude reveals something and leads to something in our lives. Gratitude, the meaning of which, of course, it's it's the quality of being thankful. It's our readiness to show appreciation. And it reveals a sense of being content. It reveals a sense of trusting in the Lord. It reveals a heart yielded to Him. And it reveals a healthy soul. Gratitude also leads to something. That it's good for our souls. It's a healthy habit and we see that in scripture. Many times there's the call to give thanks to the Lord, to be thankful, to let there be thanksgiving. But even scientifically there's studies and all those kind of things that show that's actually good for us, (laughs) to be thankful and grateful. Gratitude leads to us us honouring the Lord. We could think of Psalm 50, for example, where it says, the one who brings thanksgiving as his sacrifice honours the Lord. Thanksgiving and gratitude leads us into his presence. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why would we want to be anywhere else but in his presence? It leads to right perspective and it leads to an effective witness. Because when, it's, when uh, our default setting, when we have this uh, heart of gratitude, that kind of looks different and sounds different to perhaps what is going on all around us. And that's noticeable. People can see that. So we've looked at this challenging command to do all things without grumbling and complaining. But how do we get from there? How do we get to this blueprint outlined in that first passage where we started in 1 Thessalonians 5? To give thanks in all circumstances. Well, there's three things that I want to leave us with this morning. Hopefully practical, hopefully the means by which we can maybe apply them in our lives as we go from here this morning, to help us become or be increasingly a people of gratitude. First thing I want to leave us with, take stock. Take stock. You know, we're coming to the end of financial year, you've probably seen around the place stock take sale and all those kind of things, end of financial year sale, the purpose of which is to, for the businesses to take stock. To see what they have in stock, what there's lots of perhaps and they need to get rid of, or to see what perhaps they don't have much of and need to increase their capacity. And in a similar way in our lives of faith, it's a good thing for us to stop and take stock, to take stock what what is there, perhaps what we have in abundance that we might need to get rid of if that's grumbling and complaining, and to take stock and see what are the areas we can grow in. You know, one of the good things about preparing to preach is that often you get the opportunity to live out the message during the week. And so that's been a process of taking stock in my own heart and life when, you know, I get to Woolies the other night and I'm like, oh, there's a cue," you know, no, it's okay, it's okay, thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, it's cold, no, what a beautiful morning, thank you, Lord. Take stock, what has your default setting become? Paul writes, do all things without grumbling. All things, to what degree is this happening in our lives? Take stock. Let's think about the attitudes of our hearts, the words that frequently come out of our mouths. If we need to, let's ask someone that we trust and who love us and want the best for us. Ask them how we're going. Like, oh, is this something that applies to me? And also be prepared. Be prepared if the response we hear is maybe not what we want to hear. (laughs) Take stock. Secondly, remember and reset. Reset our focus and our attention, if you like. What is getting our attention and what is holding our attention? As we talked about earlier, there are so many things that we can be grumbling about. There are so many things that we can be grateful for. And often it's just a matter of what has our attention, what has our focus. Maybe it's as simple as remembering afresh the goodness of God. To call to mind His faithfulness. To remember what's truly important so that we can reset our focus and our perspective. Maybe it's remembering the reason why we can be thankful. For we have a very great God who has and continues to pour out His very great love upon us. Who promises to never leave us nor forsake us who promises that for those who love him, he is working all things together for good. We could go on and on and on this morning. Remember and reset. Think about where our focus and our attention is. And finally, this morning, maybe uh, Andrew and Ellie, if you guys could come up, that'd be great. Be intentional about being thankful. Thankful. Because cultivating gratitude is an intentional thing. You know, it might sound simple and rudimentary, but it's actually a difficult labor of love at times to be intentional about being thankful. It's a spiritual discipline that we must work to develop, especially when resetting our default setting. Unfortunately, it's not just a little button press. That Oh, great, I'm a grateful person. No. It's a spiritual discipline. It takes time and attention and won't just happen of its own accord, just like the other spiritual disciplines, like prayer or fasting or reading God's word. There's an intentional aspect to those things to grow them in our lives. It's like, it's like for, for any parent with children, certainly for my wife and I, we, uh, it's an important thing for us that our children have manners, that they be grateful, that they be thankful for what they have. And so how does it start? Well, it starts when they're very little and you give them that food that they've been demanding. You say, what do you say? Thank you. Well done. There's your food. When you give them that water that they've been asking for, what do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. And you do that really intentionally and it takes effort and time because you want them to learn to say thank you, to be thankful. And so to start with, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you've kind of got to just help them along with. Before long, it becomes a bit of a habit. Like you give them the food and it's like, thank you, oh, great. And then it becomes kind of ingrained or just second nature that it's just what, what they do. But then there comes a point where genuine gratitude is expressed. Without you asking, without you reminding, it's like, oh, thanks for making dinner. Or th- and you're like, whoa, no worries, that's my pleasure. Because it's moved just from a Like a forced thing into something that's an overflow of their hearts. And it's the same for us, being intentional about expressing gratitude to the Lord, being thankful. Sometimes it feels like a, okay, thank you, Lord. But then as we continue to grow in that and be intentional, it becomes second nature and then it becomes almost the overflow of our hearts. Even if it's super practical. This week, let me challenge you in this. When you wake up, instead of the deep inward groan of having to slide out of bed, think of five things that you can give thanks to to the Lord, just as one example. Write down the things that you're grateful for. I remember hearing about uh, Nikki Gumbel, who's the, the, the minister, the pastor at HTB in London, founder of Alpha he said you know one time I just sat down to I wanted to write out a hundred things that I was grateful for in my life and by the time he got to a hundred he just kept going because when we look for it when we're intentional about it we'll be able to see that there are 10,000 reasons for our hearts to find if it's God's will for us as it says give thanks in all circumstances if it's God's will for us We want to be in God's will. There's that saying, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. As we feed gratitude intentionally as an act of our will, relying upon God's grace, seeking the enabling power and presence of the Holy Spirit, gratitude will grow in us. As we seek to take stock, as we recognize those areas in which we may be prone to grumble, as we seek to bring them before the Lord, as we intentionally seek to put aside the grumbling heart of discontent and murmuring, then that will also be starved and will die. One final quote to leave us with this morning. And I remember reading this and was personally challenged by it in my own heart and life. It says, grumbling and complaining is to the devil what praise and thanksgiving are to God. Just as our praise and our thanksgiving and that heart of gratitude is like music to the ears of the Lord, so our grumbling and complaint is like music to the ears of our enemy. Let's be a people who are wholehearted in our pursuit of God. Let's come before Him to ask for His help. To move from a place of grumbling to a place of gratitude. This week, let me encourage you to take stock, to remember and reset, to be intentional about being thankful. And watch what happens. Watch what the Lord does in our hearts and in our lives. Can we stand this morning? to pray, but I also just want to give opportunity for us to respond to the Lord. The great news is that He is a very gracious and good and loving Father, (laughs) that there is no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus, that all of us stumble in many ways in this area of grumbling but you know we can bring that before the Lord and ask for his cleansing for his grace for his freedom for his forgiveness so I want to invite the prayer team forward at this point thank you and just as, as Andrew and Ali kind of play or lead us perhaps in a song or a us, or something like that. The invitation is, is simply this, that you can come and do business with God. Just the altar will be open. You can come and kneel before him, stand before him if you feel that drawing of your heart to do so. Perhaps you've realized that grumbling, murmuring, discontentedness has become your default setting. you're in that place today just come what better day to come and just bring that before the lord there's an invitation this morning that perhaps you just want to come and say thank you to the lord to express simple humble heartfelt gratitude to him you know it's something that perhaps we don't do as much as we should just simply saying thank you To the Lord Jesus. You're welcome to come and respond in that way this morning. And there's just one final area that I feel the Lord may want to minister in. He gave me this phrase just last night. The Lord is desiring, perhaps it's just for one person here, maybe some, to unlock gratitude in your heart. And the sense I have is that perhaps there may be someone or some people here who you have found gratitude particularly hard. Because of circumstances or because of pain or because of disappointment. And you've just found it hard for that to become, you know, part of your your, your outlook or your heart attitude. But I believe today you can come forward for prayer. I'd be it'd be a real privilege to pray for you myself. That I believe the Lord is wanting to unlock gratitude for those who have found it hard this morning. Um, so I'll just just put that out there in obedience and you're welcome to respond. So let me pray. And then just as we finish with, with some ministering to the Lord, uh, the altar is open for anyone who wants to respond. So, Father, I just want to thank you for this day, this day that you have made. And, Lord, I just want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for all the times, many times, Lord, where grumb- grumbling has been the attitude of my heart, Lord, instead of gratitude. Would you help me, God? (laughs) And, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us, Lord, to be a people of gratitude, Lord, to be a people, Lord, who, relying upon your grace, inviting presence and power of your Spirit, who move from a place of grumbling to gratitude, Lord God. I just pray that our witness would be true and would be bright and would be effective. That, Lord, in the midst of the darkness, we would shine bright. That there would be something different and noticeable and tangible about our lives, Lord, that comes from you. And that comes from the hope and the just the joy and the thankfulness that we have because of you, Lord God. And I just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would convict where that needs to happen. That you would encourage where that needs to happen you would bring healing where that needs to happen, Lord, and that you would unlock gratitude in our hearts like never before, Lord, that we would be a wholehearted people of devotion, Lord, marked by gratitude and thanksgiving, Lord, to you first and foremost, but that that would be our attitude and outlook to those around us, to one another, I pray. So Lord, I just ask that as we leave this morning, we would leave a little bit different than when we came in, and that the week ahead, Lord, would actually look different, than last week Lord because we've been in your presence today because we've heard from your word and Lord that we would be intentional this week about being thankful for the little things for the big things and we thank you and we honour you in your name King Jesus Amen